After he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son. It's going to be a day. I'm warning you. So <laughs> that's it. That's, that's your last warning, all right? It is. You know what? I think, I, I, think, I think you will agree with me. It is all downhill from here. It is. So it we, is. It's we totally just, downhill. We read Hebrews 1. That's going to be the highlight of everything we're going to do. It's all downhill from here. So to accompany you on this bobsled to, this bobsled to hell, that's what we're doing today. We are taking a bobsled to hell. <laughs> I'm your captain over here. Lou is also driving. He's over there. I'm co-pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here to tell you that God defines himself. You do not. Now. We have, I warned you last week, so if you listened last week, you kind of maybe know what's coming, unless you fell asleep like we did, and then you have no idea what I'm talking about, in which case, (sighs) theological two-by-four incoming in a few minutes. (laughs) Pretty strange. But before we get to it, which, we're going to be a little bit different from what we normally do. Normally, we spend a lot more time on the Bible verse, and then a little bit of time on the story that spawned the study of that Bible verse. Mm -hmm. Today's going to be a little bit different. Because I want to make sure we actually go through the insanity that we have today. Because everyone listening to me that would care about anything we say would hear this and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No Christian should ever pay attention to it. And that's where we would stop. And the problem is most of the world hears that and goes, well, what's wrong with it? Why is that an issue? You just don't like it. So it's not enough to just say it's dumb. We have to know why it's dumb and what makes it dumb. So that's going to be our primary focus today. So it's, we're going to have some fun. I have coffee. I have water. Lord knows what happens after that. <laughs> as long as the coffee's on board, right? There you go. So what are we talking about? Hebrews 1. God, okay. Trinitarian theology here because this is going to be important. It's going to come through as we deal with this. When you're reading in your New Testament and you typically see the word God, we're talking about who? The Father. We're talking about the Father. So God the Father, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. What incarnation is Paul talking about? Which, by the way, official show position because I have decided. I I am Yul Brynner, so it is written, so it shall be done. All right. (laughs) I'm not as bald as Yule, but I'm, I'm working on it. I got this little spot in the back Yeah, here, I know. So. That's why I'm wearing hats these so, days. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. Wh- 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 what's this uh, prophets and portions in many ways? That's your Old Testament, children. Mm-hmm. How did God communicate with the people of God in the Old Testament? He sent prophets. He sent priests. He sent angels. They wrote books. They declared messages. He spoke to kings. He, he, was, he was doing a lot. Mm. Amazingly enough, God is a working God. He's busy. Well, and even more than that, he's not some distant deity that after creation, he's forgotten about his creation altogether. He is Correct. actively uh, uh, interacting with 
with his creation. So the deist God is out of the picture. We have a theistic God based upon scripture, mm-hmm. not based upon you, not based upon anything else. So the reason I can say that God is a working God is because I can look at my Bible and see what? That he's active, that he's at work. I can see the declarations and once again see that he is active and at work and that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the God who was a working God is the God who is a working God, is the God who will be a working God. See how that works, children? This is important. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm doing a, le- a seminar for four-year-olds. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, It's, it's going to be a day. So, spoke in many prophets, in the prophets, in many portions, and in many ways, in these last days. All right, time out. Oh, you know what? I just realized something. I said we had the official show position, but I didn't say what it was. Okay, let it rip. So the official show position is that Hebrews is a sermon of Paul written by Luke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've you've mentioned that many times. Okay, but just— And I agree. We just— there, bang the table so it's official. All right, there we go. We are we are officially seconded. we are officially official. No, it's it's officially official. It's official because we have officially uh, agreed that it is officially official. Nice. There we go. All right. From the Department of Redundancy Department. So, what Paul's talking about in these last days? Well, time out. What last days? Well, Paul, since Jesus has ascended into heaven and we are awaiting his return in triumph. In the ushering in of the kingdom. Yeah, beginning of the end. The last days. Yep. The, the, the day from the day Jesus went up to the day that he comes back down, those are the last days. You mean to tell me there's been 2,000 days of last days? 2,000 years, years of last days? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do mean to tell you that. And Peter would agree with me because he would warn you the same thing. You know, where they're going to be mockers and scorners saying, well, where is he? It's been, you know, it's been like 20 minutes. Come on now. Mm-hmm. We're such an impatient lot, aren't we? Yeah. What's your example? Well, what do you think was happening in Noah's day? Noah's building the boat, warning you the rain is coming, the judgment of God is going to rain down, and everybody did what? Eh, whatever. That's what happens when you don't pay attention to the narrative and how long, yes. you know, he actually took to build that boat, you know? So it wasn't like it was, oh, by the way, you're you're, you're going to get some rain. You might want to yeah. you know, Buc- build buckle a boat. Up, buttercup. And then next week it's, it's okay, we're ready. No, no, it took, yeah. took quite a while. Yeah, we got, it, we got some time here. So, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son. So, what is the final, complete revelation of the Father to his people? From the Son. It is from the Son. Right. Whom he, now that he is the Father, whom he appointed heir of all things. So, hold up. So, who is the one who is going to receive all that the Father has created? The Son. His Son, who is... Christ, we're going to get to that. Well, the letter will get to that. You, you're just going to have to trust me on this one, or read the book of Hebrews. It'll, It'll do you good. good. So yeah. You knew it was coming. I, I, I got to set that up. Yeah. So, yeah. so he is the heir of all things. Christ will be the recipient of all the Father's work. So catch this. This is important. I know I've covered this like in a Sunday school class, and I think we've mentioned this before and done it on like Wednesdays, but realize the interwoven work of the Trinity. So... Creation is a work of God. So let's, let's use our technical language. So there is one Yahweh, and within Yahweh there are three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. Right, Stipulated? Right. Stipulated? Right. There we go. <laughs> right. So the work of Yahweh in creation is a work that is commanded by the Father, accomplished by the Son, and accomplished through the Spirit. Stipulated? 
Right. Okay. It is done so that the Father would be glorified in presenting his good creation to his Son, whom the Son will purchase. So the Son will purchase by his work this creation that the Father will then give to him so that the Son can present it to the Father, so the Father can then do what? Return it to the Son so that who would be glorified? Yahweh would be all in all. So we have... Father, Son, Spirit working together for the glorification of himself. <laughs> right, well, to bring him glory. For yeah, but let me say, but the Father, Son, and Spirit are working interconnectedly to bring glory to himself. Right. That is a grammatically terrible sentence that right. makes theological sense. It is. It, uh, Trinitarian doctrine <laughs> is sometimes hard to conceive, but you, you can literally see it within the first few verses of, of Genesis. I mean, it's not as if it's a, some foreign understanding of God. It, it's literally throughout the scriptures, and it's just you have to take the time to read and understand what you're reading. And even in the in the short passages that we've read, we see personal pronouns. We see more than one person talking, and 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 so you, you can't help but understand that that there's the Father, and there's the Son, and and, and later on you'll see the Spirit. And so there's this, this inner working of the Godhead that we, we need to conceptualize because we don't have the, the intellect. And I think you've said this before. If we could understand and explain God, we would have to be God. Yeah, we'd be in big trouble then. Right. So then that's why I pause on the personal pronouns because English does you no know, friends. When you stick a he in the middle of a sentence like this, when you have two other nouns, English doesn't help you point. Context does. Mm-hmm. Greek is actually better for this because in Greek, the pronoun actually directs you back to which nominative you're actually utilizing. So anyway. Right. And, and, and there's a lot of interesting, when you're reading both the Hebrew and the Greek, you know, the, the, the verbs, whether they're singular or plural, you know, you got Elohim, and then you've got this verb after that that's <laughs> singular. And so you really can't say that there's multiple gods or is one God who has made himself known in a... Anyway. Yeah. I'm up. This is going to be my new one. So the Father, Son, and Spirit work together to glorify himself. people are going to be scratching their heads yes i like that that needs to be on a Mm t-shirt so so the son is heir of all things through whom also he made the world so the father creates the world through the action of the son so colossians one is it one or two read colossians it'll do you good colossians makes the same point you have trinitarian work involved in creation and he now we've switched on our he's. He is who? It's no longer the Father. It is son. the Son. So Jesus is the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. This is very important. Who does God share his glory with? No one. No one. So in order to be the radiance of God's glory and the representation of his nature, you would have to be what? You'd have to be God. So Hebrews 1 is making what argument? That Jesus is God. Right. So Hebrews 1, Colossians 1, John 1. Those are your... Those are your big headlines. So your John 1, 1 through 5, your Colossians 1, was it 15 through 17, 15 through 18, give or take? Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 are your big hallmark pillar verses to go back to that Jesus is God. Now this matters because, and by the way, John really got this lesson from his own gospel in John 1, 1 through 5. Because as we've mentioned for the third week in a row, 
it's Second John that warns you. You want to get the you want to get to the Father. You have to go through the Son. Absolutely. You right. don't have the Son. Wait for it. You don't have the Father. Wrong Jesus. Wrong God. Wrong salvation. You in trouble. That's that's a good formula to run by. Hebrews is making the same point by equating the work of Jesus with the work of God because Jesus is God. How do I understand who God is? Right. I mean, in, in multiple places in the prophets. God himself says that he created all things by himself. God is the only Savior. Isaiah says it many yes. times. And, and then when we, we hear the, the New Testament writers, Paul and all of them, talking in terms of deity about, you know, or uh, ascribing uh, the creation to Jesus, we know that they understood him as being the God that they've worshipped since. Absolutely. Right. So now this helps me. What's my clearest... From a fallen human understanding, what's my clearest demonstration of the attributes, nature, and being of God? Well, the Torah, the well, prophets. But, I mean, but Scripture's pointing to something. Yeah. What is that something? That's Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. If I want to understand God, I look to Christ. I want to understand the, as from a human perspective, if I want to see what God looks like as clearly as possible, I need to look at the yeah, work I mean, and the work and teachings of Jesus. That's why, that's why, again, that's why I knew you were going to go to scripture. That's what right. does Jesus tell the crowds in John 5. Right. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have life. Mm -hmm. It is these that testify about me. Right. And he also says in the Gospel of John, you know, and they ask him, Show us the Father, and that's enough. And he says, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And at the end of Luke, he tells the people on the road to Emmaus, what? Oh, you foolish people. Yeah. Slow, what is it? Slow, uh, slow to believe. Slow to believe, hard of heart and slow to believe or something like that. Yeah. And then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to him, he explained to them all the places in Scripture concerning himself. Right. So in other words, what is your, what is your Old Testament pointing to? It's pointing to Jesus. Why? Because the Old Testament is there to explain who God is what he's doing, and why he's doing it. Well, the answer to those questions is Christ. And the New Testament is then fleshing that out. Yes, there's, yes, the complicated answer is he's saving a people who have gone astray, he's redeeming, he's demonstrating his character and nature. But those things will be fully revealed and understood in Christ. So you want to understand the wrath of God? Look to Jesus, who will be the judge of all things. Look to the book of Revelation as he comes and conquers his enemies. You want to understand the love of God. Look at the compassionate ministry of Jesus, the accomplished work of salvation upon the cross, as he demonstrates the love of God for a people that do not deserve it. You want to understand the wisdom of God. Look at the life of Jesus as he's teaching and instructing on the law and expounding it before the people and confounding all human wisdom. Right. You want to understand the foolishness and folly and sinfulness of humanity. Look at the contrasting nature of Christ and how he brings those things to the forefront of people so that they cannot help but recognize who they are in the face of him. You understand the power of God. Look at Jesus raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons, controlling creation, the very, the very nature that surrounds us. You see all of who God is fully revealed and brought to blossom in the work of Christ, in the ministry. Absolutely. Then you see the apostolic witness doing what? Building on that. That's why I, said, that's why I was comfortable saying he has spoken to us in, his, in these last days in his son. 
What's the full final revelation of God? It's in Christ. You're going, well, why am I reading my New Testament then? I should just read the red letters. Wait for it. Because the Spirit is also the work of God, and the Spirit is doing what? Inspiring the apostolic witness who Christ commissioned to fulfill that commission and testify to who? Christ. This is important. All 66 books are... But I'm, I'm making a specific point because there is there is that little off you. I just read the words of Jesus since he's the final revelation oh, of the Father. Certainly, um, yeah. There's a lot of that going on, and 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 and, and it will it'll bring you to a place yeah. where we're and it's kind of dovetailing into what we're going to talk about today. Oh, yeah. But there are some that said that would say that if 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 it doesn't say it in the red letters, then then we have you know some kind of gray area where we can operate in. And that's just not the case. Meganoita. <laughs> May it never May be. It never be. That's, right. you, you can't live there, not even a little bit. Right. Now, so, what's, so let's, 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 land, let's land this as an overarching point. Sound like a good idea? Yeah, absolutely. All right. God is God. God has revealed himself. That revelation is consistent and brought to fullness in the work of God, in the second member of the Trinity, in Christ. The third member of the Trinity, the Spirit, has inspired Scripture to point to the second member of the Trinity so that his work of purchasing a people may be presented to the first member of the Trinity, who is the Father, who may then take that people who have been inspired by the work of the Spirit in Scripture, uh, purchased by the work of the Son at Calvary, and presented as a people who will then be presented before God as their people. Who's confused yet? Hopefully no one. No, it's, it's, it's really not confusing. You just no. have to... Now, why do we care? Take a breath, <laughs> breathe, and read through it. Yeah. Why, why in tarnation do we care? Oh. <laughs> I, I got a smack your head moment. You ready? This is... I saw this and almost fell over. Oh, I, yeah. I'm I mean, sure. I know this stuff is out there, and I know there are... Branches of Christianity is not the right frame. There are branches of spiritualism and spirituality that name Christianity or claim Christianity that, that, that spawn in this and that swim in this muck. But at the same time, you forget it's out there because you don't live in it. And then when you see it, it's like, what are you people doing? Mm. Well, I, I see it as touching almost, I mean, you could you name a denomination and you, and, and, and I guarantee you there's going to be some open and affirming uh, language in there. <sighs> This goes a little past open and affirming. This is, this, is, this is idiocy. Well, yeah. Now, this is why I warned you earlier. I'm, as we read this, you're going to go, this is just dumb. And I agree, this is just dumb. But Christian, you want to live in this world. You want to testify to Christ in this world. It's not enough to know that it's dumb. You have to know why it's dumb. So with our foundation in place of a Trinitarian work of God, and granted, we did that quickly, but you get it. Let's, let's dive in. You ready? Let's dive in. If you weren't aware, this is about a week and a half old, so last Thursday was the International Transgender Day of Visibility. Mm. Don't they call that Tuesday? I mean, is there a non-day of transgender visibility? I don't know. In observance, a church in Iowa City, Iowa. Iowa. Bible Belt? Like, no, not, but is there a more, like, Midwestern apple pie place than Iowa? Probably not. I mean, that's like a, that's literally a movie line. Hey, man, is this heaven? <laughs> no, it's Iowa. <laughs> Come on, name that movie. <laughs> it's Fields of Dreams. Yeah, it's Fields of Dreams. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, seriously, name me the most non-threatening place in America that you can think of. 
Iowa's got to be like top five on the list. Like, where's the place that some old farmer is not putting up with heresy in his old church in the middle of nowhere? It's Iowa. Mm-hmm. Like, you even you, you get down to, like, Louisiana, but, like, well, there's all sorts of craziness going on in New Orleans or anything like that. You know, middle of the Bible Belt, middle of nowhere, Alabama, you go, yeah, but there's going to be some weird stuff going on in Mobile or Birmingham. It's Iowa. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get past that. It's, I, I mean, Iowa. Mm-hmm. It's literally a phrase, Iowa nice. I mean, it's Iowa. So this church in Iowa City offered a prayer written for the occasion. In case you have forgotten, that occasion is the International Transgender Day of Visibility. We are already off to a bad start. Now, it was posted in a video on the website of the First Presbyterian Church. I mean, Presbyterians in Iowa, is there a more—can you imagine a more dapper, buttoned-down group? Like, there are no wild parties at the Presbyterian Church in the middle of Iowa. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. When you think of Iowa and Presbyterianism, <laughs> you think of people who are very well um, restrained. Yeah, they're, they're not you know, snake they're handling or getting slain in the spirit, people. or like there are no purple-haired pastors at the Presbyterian Church in Iowa. That that's just a law of nature. I, I have uh, we we have one here in town. There's a Presbyterian congregation that's open and affirming, and and they're flying their their flag proudly. So I, I don't know if this is uh, a certain part of Presbyterianism or if it's just some <sighs> fringe group, but it seems like there's more than one. Apparently. I'm, I'm, I'm just disappointed. It is. It's disappointing. So hang on, hang on. Let me cross my arms and give my tablet the disappointed dead right. face. You should see that. Yeah. Okay, I better know. Right. So their director of Christian education, Anna Sheets, whose name is spelled exactly like the awesome gas station that proliferates in the southeast. I hope she's not that family because I really like that gas station. But anyway. If you've never been traveled through the Southeast, you have no idea what a Sheets is. No, um, it's something between like a Quick Trip or a Bucky's if you've ever been to Texas. I have. Yeah. And if you've ever been to the Mid Atlantic or Northeast, it's like a Wawa. Mm. So, yeah. So it's like a Quick Trip where they've got where they cook food, like a Casey's, but more, more gas station, less country store than a Casey's would be. Okay. She, Sheets is awesome. I like it. So here's the prayer. Ah. <sighs> This past Thursday, March 31st, was the International Transgender Day of Visibility. In the PCUSA, it's, yeah, it's a PCUSA area, yeah, yeah. we welcome all of our transgender and queer siblings into this family and relationship with the Creator God. So today, I wish to pray a prayer that was written for this incredible day. Will you pray with me? All right. For starters, the answer to that question is no. No, no we will not. Second of all, there are no transgender and queer siblings. Christian, why? This is important. Why are there no transgender and queer siblings? Because to be transgender or queer is to identify thyself by something other than your base nature. As Christians, your base nature is supposed to be Christ-like, hence the name Christian. Therefore, your identity is supposed to be in whom? Jesus. You are identified by your forsaking of sin and this world. Well, I prefer this. I don't care. That's not how you define yourself. You're supposed to define yourself by Christ. Any other definition is by nature sinful. It is an embracing of the world, an embracing of the lust of the flesh. It is the exact opposite of dying to yourself and taking up your cross and following after him. That's the worst The worst thing about it is we're off, we're off the rails before we even started praying. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we don't—you you said earlier, we get to—God de- defines— Agreed. We don't get to define. When we when we start with us, you 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 say it all the time. It's a train wreck. 
we we always we always come up with the wrong idea, the wrong theology. But we need to start with God. We need to start with the fact that we were created in His image and stop trying to recreate ourselves in our own. So here we go. Here's the initi- Here's the opening of the prayer. Oh God of pronouns. Oh boy. Okay. <clears throat> Grammatically speaking, is God the God of pronouns? Yes. Well, yes. Is he the god of verbs and nouns? Well, I get it. Of language. Yes. In general. Yes. Now, I know that's not what they mean. But, but, but now, the way they mean it, this is dumb. We're already off the rails. This is dumb. Oh, god of pronouns. That's not a praise of language. That's a praise of personal identity. That's identifying. Here's the problem. That is identifying God based on me. Right. You're making it about you. I have now, cre- I have now constructed a god in... My image. Isn't that the reverse of it's what it the, states it's in the scripture? The exact op- it's almost like the enemy doesn't have another playbook. See, <laughs> we keep I mean, you still doing the same thing, and people I'm, are falling. I for keep telling people. People keep people act like Satan and his offspring are this offensive football genius who's got like twenty seven thousand plays in his playbook and we just can't keep up with what he's doing because every time we turn around he's doing something different and we were stopping the run and you threw it over the top so we were stopping the pass and he ran it to the, he, he's not a genius he's not he's not running twenty seven thousand plays and we can't catch up he's literally just going look we're just gonna keep hands on the ball off to the right until they stop it and they haven't stopped it yet that that's all this is it's the same thing So, O God of pronouns, we give praise to the Great One, the one who was identifiable as God. That, linguistically, that doesn't even make sense. That literally doesn't even make sense. The one who was identifiable as God. Why, lady, is he identifiable as God? To quote the great prophet Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. God is as God is. He's identifiable as God because he, wait for it, he is. is. <laughs> he is. I am what I am, you say. See, she, she even knows the verse, right. but doesn't understand it. Well, she's twisting it. Agreed. Did God really say? The great they. This is why my little play on words was important. Father, Son, and Spirit. All working in order to glorify himself. Because God is one, revealed in three persons. There is no they. There is he. Well, I, I, when I read that, I was like, I have worked for a couple of institutions that have had open and, and inclusive training for their staff. Um, and these are the pronouns that the LGBTQ, mm-hmm. whatever, Z, I don't know, they've got, they've got a lot of them right now, but this is, this is one of the pronouns that you use for, for that. Is no. they. You, you find me the person in Scripture who is plural, because there is one. Name was Legion. That's why I thought you were going. <laughs> but yeah, when God said, "Who are you?" Huh? Oh, son of or man, have you come men. to a po- have you come to torment us before the appointed time? Yeah, right. <laughs> Legion or me. <laughs> Sorry, I do my own sound effects. The great they, the incarnate he and she, the God of trans being. That he's not a trans being, he is God, he is Yahweh. He is not he and she. Why? Because he claims he. Who inspired the scripture writers? He did. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, inspired scripture. Therefore, God could have inspired they them. 
He didn't. He inspired what he inspired. Therefore, who gets to do this? Now, it gets worse. Impregnating Mary, Father and God. That, that's a, more than a little creepy. They're Presbyterians, not Mormons. Impregnating. Um, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with that language. Yeah, it almost sounds Greek to me, but you know it's, what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's a little. Yeah. Yeah. Fathering God. <laughs> now, we've had this discussion before. I am a little more okay with Theotokos than you are, where Mary is described as bearer of God, mother of God. I'm and in the Catholic sense, no. But in the technical theological sense, I'm okay with it. She is the woman who was the mother who gave birth. Oh, well, I, I can agree with that. But the, the oh, and the I way get, that that term is used, it's it's a term to deify Mary. Agreed. Right. And if I were debating, how do you or, separate? Yeah, if that? I was debating or arguing with a Roman Catholic, I would argue the point and try to get to a better definition. But talking amongst. Orthodox evangelicals, I would not have a problem if the term were used and then or just or thrown out without explanation. I, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I do have issue with fathering God because there's a, there's a, there's a different. We're not we're not creating God here. We're not. We're, that's 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 a terrible definition. Right. Right. We we are assuming human flesh. I I think. This is just me. After reading this a couple of times, I think that the writer or the person that's praying is using so many terms to help people be more apt to accept the language, from maybe even from different denominations, you know, like, like our Catholic uh, friends. Uh, some of them would say, oh, yeah, yeah, Father and God. Or, yeah. you know. this, this, this starts to strike me as so open-minded that your brains have fallen out. Because <laughs> it gets worse. I've never heard it said that way, but yeah, I think you're right. Breastfeeding God of many breasts. Now that I had a huge problem with because who, who in the Bible has many breasts? Bre- breastfeeding God. Yeah, I mean, what? I mean, this is pagan. That's pagan. Yeah, that's that's pure that's paganism. A reference to paganism. This, this is this is brokenness. You shatter all stereotypes, making every single person male and female. And, and what did what did Christ say about the woman, you know, the lady that gave praise and, and, and blessed the woman that you did, you know, that gave you, you know, that you, you were breastfed from? And, and what was what was Christ's response to that? Yeah. More blessed is he who does the will of the Father, right? Anyway. And anyway. you sorry. have made no, no, making every single person <laughs> male and female. No, male and female, he created them. them. Right. As in male and female, he created them. So there were two. That's why they're them. Right. Not one of them was them. <laughs> Who's confused yet? Yeah. The, the, that's it. Again, did God really say this? Well, is, it to, comes to your, from a plain reading of the scriptures in, in the beginning. They don't want the plain reading. But that's why I think you're exactly right. This is borrowing from as many different theological bents or traditions isn't the right word because that sounds too Methodist. We, we are of the theological tradition. I, Methodists always say that. It drives me up a wall. Oh, okay. Uh, but you think I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I believe you. Uh, they're borrowing from every denominational background they can come up with to just try to make a big old soup of 
religiosity. Well, hence open and affirming. Agreed. But I but I think the goal is to sound or inclusive. It's it's not to sound spiritual, it's to sound religious without actually being religious. And you and I are both on the page here. You better be religious because Jesus started a religion because God founds a religion. There are things that you do. There are rites and rituals and and practices. That's the hallmark of religion. So they're borrowing from the language of religion, but trying to imbibe it with a different definition. So again, we're hanging the ball off to the right. Did God really say? Or if you want to use a baseball analogy, since it's baseball season and I'm decked out in my Mets gear, um, this is not a pitcher who's throwing you fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, splitter. Dude's just rolling 80 mile an hour fastballs right down the middle and go and hit it, I dare you. And we keep missing. Hmm. So nothing new here. Male and female intersex non-binary in your image, exactly in your image. Do you, do you know what cardinal truth of humanity that ignores? Everything. Well, okay. <laughs> this is a lesson that I am teaching my children. Okay. I should almost, they're running around in the foyer. I'm so tempted to ask them in, to see if I can get one of them in here to answer the question. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so very tempted. But if I look at my daughter most of the time and say, what are people? You know what her answer is going to be? What's that? Jerks. Okay. I want her to learn that lesson. Okay. People are selfish, idolatrous, and sinful. The vast majority of humanity is broken. For sure. Therefore, assume what about everyone you meet? That they're broken. Scripture says much. We all fall short of the glory. Male and female intersex non-binary in your image, exactly in your image. Let's, let's cover this. So in the beginning, God created them male and female. Male and female, he created yeah. them. We already covered that. That means Adam and Eve. That's the them. Intersex isn't male and female. It's a genetic mutation. It's a brokenness at the genetic level. Right. The same is true of any genetic brokenness. There's, there's it's like Klinefelter syndrome and, and Down syndrome. These are, all, these are all a breakdown of genetic material. Why? Why is genetic material broken? Well, the fall of humanity, sin. This, this is why Corruption. you get old and die. Right. Your body falls apart because sin corrupts everything. Intersex is a proof of sin. Mm-hmm. That even at your core, the building blocks of your molecules are broken and require the intervention of God to be set right again. Non-binary just takes that from the molecular level and puts it at the mental level. I'm non-binary. You're non-logical. Yeah. You're broken in the way that you think. So you have one group that's broken in the way that they are and another group that is broken in the way that they think. So when they look at me and say, I was born this way, I agree with you. You probably were. That just proves that sin corrupts everything. To claim that that is exactly in the image of God is to eliminate the understanding that sin is real, it corrupts, and it breaks people. To sit there and say, you need to affirm me. No, I don't. You need to affirm Christ. That's the difference. It gets better. Spectrum rainbow God who put your promise for nonviolence in the symbol for queer love before humanity knew because you knew. Oh my goodness, I I was See, re- see, you I didn't had a problem with that. You didn't know. Yeah. God put the rainbow in the sky for Noah as a symbol of nonviolence to the alphabet brigade. 
the LGBTQIA XYZ2912 crowd. God put that rainbow there for them as a symbol of nonviolence so that you would be more accepting. Don't you feel like being more accepting now, Lou? <laughs> Man, I just I'm looking for the barf bag around here because I'm getting nauseous listening to this. It's this, crazy. This, again, borrowing, we're going to take a little bit from over here, a little bit from over there, and all of a sudden when you're not paying attention, we're going to slap some secular ideology on it and say, look, 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 look. This is the problem. Why is that broken? Because God defines what his promise is. Seed time and harvest as long as the earth remains. This is why the warnings that you get from Second Peter and why you see the work in Revelation. In order for seed time and harvest, day and night to go away, what must go away? The corruption of sin on the creation. That's why you see a new heavens and a new earth as God has redeemed them as by fire, the way Second Peter points out. In order to fulfill his promise, he has to wait for it, fulfill his promise. You don't get to redefine it. Mm-hmm. Who had Joseph, who could not sleep with a woman in a beautiful lady's cloak, because perhaps of rainbow colors. Oh they just tried to claim Joseph was gay. Yeah, I know it. It's just queer theology. See, he was wearing the rainbow. That's why he wasn't interested in Potiphar's wife. Never mind the fact that Joseph literally tells you yeah. why he wouldn't sleep with Potiphar's wife. Never mind the fact that Joseph gets out of prison and then marries a woman has and father's children, children. Yeah. we're going that that doesn't count it's obvious he wore bright colors and wouldn't sleep with some lady must be gay must be yeah yeah you have to be gay before we knew do that kind of thing. you knew god of pronouns who said you can call me he or she or they whatever makes me whatever makes you feel closest to me where does it say that <laughs> that in the message <laughs> i'm convinced I was like, I did a search. I got logos, man. I can't find that anywhere. You, you didn't, it's, it's not, it's second hesitations? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. in the book of Sodom and Gomorrah, I think. Yeah, for sure. There you go. Yeah, that's my, that's not even in there. Who, who said where? Are you a prophet now? I mean, right. You know, I'm a poet and didn't know it. Uh, I mean, I'm a prophet, but I don't buy it. I mean, come, this does, that one I'm just going to look at and go, I got nothing for you to defend and argue Whatever against. Whatever makes you feel closest to me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I know the prophet who said that. Who's that? Cheryl Crow. If it makes you happy, oh, here we go. it can't be that bad. She was wearing red leather pants in the video. Okay. Go Google Cheryl, Cheryl Crow. That's a song, If It Makes You Happy. Yep, that's, I remember that's, that song. Where it, that's where it came from. It has to be. <laughs> you might be right. We might. Yeah, yeah complete, uh, completely questions. unrelated. <laughs> Once upon a time, I had a small crush on Cheryl Crow, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine ruined it. He's like, I can't think she's attractive. Why not? And he's like, I, I can't think a woman who sings and plays a guitar like Tom Petty is hot. And after he said that, I couldn't unsee it. Because yeah. she does. She plays the guitar. And the way she stands and strums, if you put her in a side-by-side with Tom Petty, mm-hmm. you could, they're like the same person. Funny. It, it ruined me. I'm like, I can no longer <laughs> think she's attractive either. Just, I'm, just, I'm just messed up now. I was like, thank you. Yeah. I don't know if I'm appreciative or upset <laughs> that you've taken this from me. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's the closest thing I can come up with is a random 90s pop culture song. But other than that, I got no idea where that comes from either. I don't know. Invisible, invisible God. On this day were visibility, celebration, belatedness, uh, affirmation, and acceptance is the bare minimum. Remind us that you are the God of pronouns, so you affirm and you celebrate them. I don't even know what that means. I don't know. Bel- how does belatedness get thrown in with visibility, celebration, affirmation, and acceptance? I, 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 is, that, is that their way of saying, God, it's about time? I don't know. 
I don't know. It's just the thing is so far out. I, I just. God of Saul, Paul, Simon, Jacob, Isaac, Simon, Peter, Abram, and Sarai, and Abraham and Sarah. God of Joseph, of the coat of many colors, of the Ethiopian eunuch, of the Virgin Mary. God of all found families in the Bible. That, that doesn't even make sense what that accomplishes. I notice how the coat of many colors gets thrown back on Joseph because we got to make sure you know he was wearing the rainbow, mm-hmm. apparently. And, and the rainbow back then Appar- symbolically meant. That's why he couldn't sleep today. with Potiphar's wife. Yeah, so right. there you go. Yeah. And the Ethiopian eunuch has to get thrown in there. Now, look, I, I actually like the story there because remember, culturally, the eunuch would have been a cultural outcast. Right. Couldn't have gone into the synagogue. This, this, was a, this was an important an event for the early church. So the man who could love God couldn't go to the synagogue, but he could go to the church. This is a fulfilling work of God to bind up how much of the brokenness? All of it. All of it. Again, even at the physical level. You're excluded because of what you are. No, 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 no. You're now included because of who Christ is. Oh, Isaiah 56, is it? Let not the eunuch say that... Oh, what does it say? <laughs> but the eunuch it, is going to be given a name better even than the sons and daughters. Read Isaiah, it'll do you good. Right. But again, from that, from that lovely redemption portion of Isaiah in that, in that second half. But I have no problems with that. I have a problem with how this is twisting. Right. Because this is, again, the found families in the Bible. No, no, no. They're not found families. They are... Seriously, what's the song? I used to go to a church that sang this every Sunday. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, mm-hmm. washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joint heirs of Jesus as we travel this sod, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. I'm not part of a found family. I'm part of his family. I'm part of his work, his redemption, his culmination. We're almost there. Remind us that you affirm us in our full identity. Nuh-uh. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after him. That means who you are is, once again, broken. Name, pronoun, found family, all of it. No, none of it. That's why you're supposed to be given a new name that he himself knows. For this, we give you thanks and praise to the great I am, the great they, them. Thank you, God. There's no they, them. That would be a pluralistic understanding. And so now, in the words that our mother, our father, and our sibling God taught us to pray, and then pray with us now, and then they had the audacity to recite the Lord's Prayer, which is just frightening. He's not Mother God. Does he use feminine language to describe himself? Yes. Mother, it's, it's symbolic. And, agreed, and agreed, it's not, agreed. It, but that's my point. I mean, but does that ever, make him Mother God? No. No, not in the least. No, and that's he, my point. Well, it, it, it seems a contradiction if you're going to say the Lord's Prayer. It starts off with, Our Father, who art in heaven. I mean, <laughs> over and over, God is referred to. Now, why do we do him, that? Because, again, the third, third person of the Trinity inspires Scripture to point to the second person of the Trinity, who is accomplishing this work for the first person of the Trinity, who will then return that work to the second person of the Trinity so that he will be glorified. This is, a, this is an understanding. Again, you may not like it, but at its core, the problem with this prayer, beyond everything we've just gone over, and we could probably pick it apart even more if we were so inclined and had more time, but at its core, 
what it does is the thing that we start, we mentioned at the beginning that we've talked about a hundred times in the past. When you start with you and try to reason back to God, you will have no success. And that prayer imports people and their brokenness and reads that onto God as if he is some blank slate that is defined by their sinfulness. All right. He does not affirm that. He affirms what he created in his Agreed. image. Agreed. And that's, again, the work that he is accomplishing. The brokenness here is in heart, mind, body, and soul right. for everyone who can affirm this prayer because that's what sin corrupts. Now, again, what does Christ do? He redeems that. Right. And this is, again, why having the long-term focus is so important. You're going, but, 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 but I, don't, I haven't rid myself of all my sinful desires. I get that. Yeah. But my body hasn't been put back together right. I get that. Christian, this is why we long for an eternity in his kingdom. Yeah, we're looking forward to the redemption and, and uh, the, the, the full culmination of it and, and, and for the resurrection when we're, we, get, we get to be like Christ is. Along with the creation, we groan. That the brokenness, the corruption, the degradation, the, the falling apart that I experience day by day yeah. is going to be restored in Christ. It's going to be set right in Him. Right. That's why our identities come in Christ. Amen. We identify as being in Christ, not, and we have a, a righteousness that's foreign to us. I mean, we, we don't need to make it up ourselves. See, to try to affirm this and to try to land here is to deny the work that Christ has done. Right. To actually follow Scripture is to say, look, my addictions right. are surrendered and cleansed in Christ. My broken thought processes are surrendered and set right in Christ. My broken sexuality is surrendered and set right. In Christ. That too. My yeah. broken heart, my lusting, my coveting, my hatred, mm. this is all surrendered and set right in Christ. Oh, to yeah. ignore that and to try to say, I want you to affirm this brokenness is to say, I don't have Christ, which means I do not have the work of the Father that is behind him, which means I do not have the totality of God. This is the warning that 2 John gives. This is the culmination that Hebrews is pointing to, is we have, read the, for homework, read the rest of Hebrews. We have a rest. We have peace. We have a high priest who has made sacrifice. We have an advocate who sits at the right hand of the Father. We have the eternal one on our side. We have the examples of who he has inspired and how he has protected them in the past. We have the hope of what he will accomplish in the future. We have the promise of his discipline and his strengthening of us in the present. This is, what, this is all that Hebrews is, is laying down. I've just laid down for you Hebrews 3, 4, 5 through 7, 9 and 10, the, the history of 11, the hope in 12, the, 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 um, the community he builds in 13. This is what Hebrews is Describing to you, all based on what? The totality of the work of God. This is why I'm so adamant that it's a sermon of Paul. Because who else has that understanding in the New Testament of how the Old Testament and New Testament blend together in the revelation and accomplishment that's in Christ? That's sure. Paul in a nutshell. Yeah, well, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He studied. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. And, you, and, you see, and, the, and, the, and the reason why I say it's a sermon is there's so many allusions to the Old Testament, so many places where he's quoting the Old Testament, but he doesn't remember where it is. That's not a guy with his scrolls. That's a guy who's talking. 
and is thinking about these things as they come to him. Again, inspired by the spirit. As is Lucas, he's like, this is really good. We need to write this down. <laughs> and that's what's going on here is, is, is it's, a, it's a declaration of all that God has done trinitarianly inspired and explained so that we know what that i don't have to rot here i don't have to i don't have to embrace the brokenness of me because in christ it is set right and in christ empowered by the holy spirit i am now set free that's the hope of the gospel the hope of that prayer is sin the message of that prayer is idolatry Agreed. The gospel message, faith in Christ, is what actually sets people free from that idolatry. Christian. They're they're attributing this debauchery to the Holy Spirit, to God. Agreed. And And that's why, again, Christian, what's the cure? Pick it apart, not because it's dumb, but because it has bad theology. Because that's how you remove their foundation while simultaneously building the solid rock that is Christ. It's not enough to know that it's dumb. You have to know why it's dumb. It, it also reminds me of the story um, in the Gospels where uh, they accuse Christ of expelling demons by the power of Beelzebub, and, and they're attributing that, that evilness to God. And that's exactly what, when I read this, I, I'm thinking to myself, these people are attributing this moral debauchery to a holy God that had created us in, in his image. Because they are creating a God in Theirs. their image. Right. Right. This matters. This was so bad. Understanding I, I what's wrong. So yeah. So I go look it up and read it and understand this, but realize, Christian, that your hope is in Christ. Your redemption is in Christ, and the truth is found in Christ. Right. So what have we learned here today, children? Theology matters. Absolutely. Theology is defined by God, and bringing our baggage to Scripture is always bad. So read Hebrews 11. Pay attention to what's going on in the world but understand who you are and why you are. And until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.